0: In 2001, probably one of the greatest inventions ever to some of us was this little thing called the iPod. On this thing, you can keep thousands and thousands. Was that about to get an applause? You don't don't have to applaud the iPod. Um, But on this, you can keep thousands and thousands of songs and pictures and and video and, and just a lot of stuff from your life can be on this. But today, we're starting this new series called iTunes. And the I stands for inner, inner attitudes. We're going to be talking about the things inside of us, how we approach life, how we handle things, how we, how we treat others. Just like we keep our own, um, our own music tastes and our own pictures and video on, a, on an iPod, our, our attitude is kind of our own personal soundtrack to life. It affects everything that we do. Our attitude affects our relationships. Our attitude affects how successful we are in life. Our attitude affects the kind of parent we are, the kind of husband or wife we are, the kind of employee or boss. It all hinges on our attitude. Our attitude, probably more than anything else, determines our quality of life. It determines how far we go or how far we don't go. The Bible has a lot to say about attitudes. Every week we do this at Point. If you're here for the first time or you forgot your Bible, you don't have a Bible, there's some people coming down the aisles right now, and they've got some Bibles for you. and they're, It's yours to keep. Just raise your hand if you don't have one and, and take it, write your name in it. Uh, we believe at LifePoint that the words in there can guide you towards a relationship with the creator of the universe. The Bible has a lot to say about attitudes, how we should think, how we should act. The world has a lot to say about our attitude as well. And the world has a lot to say about how we should act and how we should think and how we should respond. And what God's Word says and what the world says don't always match up. In fact, a lot of times they don't. How many of you know what I mean when I say alternative music? You understand what I'm saying? Okay, six people. Good. Okay, so... (laughs) The rest of you, alternative music is music that goes against that which is popular. It's revolutionary. It's different. It's not like what you can turn on the radio and hear. It's alternative. Jesus had a lot of alternative things to say. The New Testament had a lot of things to say that were an alternative, that were revolutionary. That were against the popular thinking of the day. Jesus said things like, If somebody strikes you on one cheek, don't hit them back, turn the other. Wow, I thought we we're supposed to retaliate. Jesus said, Don't worry. Jesus said, Pray for your enemies, pray for people that mean to do you harm. That was revolutionary when Jesus said it. He said, If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. That was revolutionary. What he's saying is, anything in your life that separates us, you need to get rid of it. And he said it in such extreme way, he said, gouge your eye out and throw it away. If that's what's keeping you from me. All of those were alternative, revolutionary thoughts of the day. You know, our attitudes are tested daily, overbooked schedules, crying kids, too much demands at work, not enough hours in the day, car breaks down, something doesn't work. We just run and run and run and our attitude is affected every day by everything that happens around us. But every day we have a choice. We have a choice of whether or not we're going to have a good attitude about something or a bad attitude about it few months back in fact christmas eve i was out doing what all men do on christmas eve what was that shopping that's right and my wife's van was dirty i had her van and i thought well i'll go through auto bell here and 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 get it washed up for her. so i pull in and the guy takes the keys you know you pay and you choose what you want done and and i'm on the phone with my sister standing there by this brick wall and and i hear like something peeling out like real loud and i look and there goes my wife's van like 40 miles an hour into the car wash, both side doors open, both front doors open, and a guy's legs hanging out the side. And I'm standing there like, <laughs> what's happening? And what had happened, the guy, when he was vacuuming the other side, he had his knee against the accelerator and his elbow hit the, um, hit the gear shift. I'm not kidding. This really happened. I'm not making this up. And it just jammed the thing into gear and it Went into the car wash, hit the car in front of it, slammed the door against the concrete wall. The inside of my car was getting as much soap and water as the outside of, of the van was. And, and I'm just standing there like, great, great. That's the last thing I need when I'm last minute Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. And this wonderful person, that's not what I was thinking, you know, this guy just, this is going to have to take a while, because, you know, the whole thing's jammed up, it's cocked over on the little guide that goes through there, and I'm just sitting there like, I'm glad I'm not wearing my Life Point Church Church t-shirt today, because <laughs> somebody's going to get it, you know, so, and I, I'd like to say I had this wonderful, peaceful attitude, and I didn't let that affect me, but I did, and that's why I'm boycot- boycotting the Auto Bell car wash <laughs> on, I'm not going to tell you which one, but don't go to any of them, I guess, but but um, but they ended up they ended up paying, so I, I guess it, it's cool. Mistakes happen, but then we have to de- decide how am I going to react to what happens to me. I talked to my good friend Dennis Esch, who was an American Airlines seven sixty seven pilot. I mean, the big dog. He flies the biggest, you know, the big ones, coast to coast. And on an airplane, there's this little this little gauge, and it's called the attitude indicator. And what this little gauge does, it tells the pilot the attitude of the aircraft, whether the nose is a little bit high or the nose is a little bit low or whether it's leaning a little bit too far to the left or a little bit too far to the right. He can determine what the attitude of the airplane is by looking at that gauge. If I had an attitude gauge to put on you today, what would your say? How is your attitude today. What, what's your attitude gauge say? Because your attitude determines a lot about your life. It determines a lot about how successful, how happy, or how unsuccessful or unhappy you'll be. In Philippians 2 verse 5, it says this, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Now, in the coming weeks, I'm going to talk a lot more about that, that one specific verse about how our attitude should be just like Christ. But what does it look like to have His attitude? The attitude of the Savior, the attitude of the person that gave His life for all of mankind, what does that look like? The very very next verse, verse 6 says, Though He was God, He did not demand and cling to His rights as God. He made Himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. Jesus had every right to hang on to his full status as God. Every right to just say, I'm not giving it up. I'm fully God and I'm not going to become man. He had every right to do that, but he didn't. He humbled himself and gave that up and came to earth. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. And that phrase that he did not cling to his rights, literally in Greek, means this. He did not consider equality with God something to be held on to at all costs. What are you holding on to today? What are you holding on to from your past that affects your attitude, that affects the way you parent your children, that affects the way you act as a husband or a wife or the way you act as an employee, What are you holding on to? Because when we hold on to stuff and grasp to the past, things that have happened to us and things that we've gone through, whether it's a bad relationship, a bad marriage, a bad business deal, a bad job, a bad business decision, whatever it was, when we choose to hold on to that and not let it go, it affects our attitude, but then our attitude affects everything and everyone around us. It affects the way you act, as, act towards your spouse. It affects the way you act towards your children. What are you holding on to today and saying, I'm not going to let this go? It affects your attitude. The attitudes we have today affect the joys or the regrets that we have tomorrow. So however we're acting today, however our attitude is today, if it's a good one, that's going to affect it in a joyful way in the future. If it's a bad one... It's going to bring regrets in the future. Author John Maxwell says it like this. Do you feel the world is treating you well? If your attitude towards the world is excellent, you'll receive excellent results. If you feel so-so about the world and your response from the world, it'll just be average. Feel badly about your world and you will seem to only have negative feedback from life. Your attitude determines your approach to life. Your attitude determines your approach to life. If you think the world stinks, you ever met anybody like that? To them, the world just stinks. It's just not any good. If you think the world stinks, you need to check your attitude because that's probably where the smell's coming from. It's, it's your bad attitude. Our attitude affects our approach to life. Our view of life will determine how far we go or don't go. Galatians 6 verse 7 says it like this, you will always reap what you sow. If I sow bad attitude, then guess what I'm going to get back? Bad attitude. If I sow good attitude, then I get that back. You can't expect to live with a bad attitude and still enjoy life, especially the life that God has to offer. It's all in the way we approach things. It's all in the way we look at things. It's our attitude towards what might be a challenge. In the Old Testament, you probably heard the story of David and Goliath and how Goliath, this huge giant, was taunting the armies of Israel, and, and he was telling them how bad their God was, and, and, and just come on over and I'm going to kill all of you, and he's this big giant. And these soldiers, trained soldiers, are looking at this giant saying, he is too big. For us to defeat. And little David comes up and says, He is too big for me to miss. You know, this guy's so big, surely I can hit him. It's all in the way you look at it. And our attitude affects our life. In the New Testament, Jesus had a lot of people following him around. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus noticed the crowds following behind him. And, and this is what it says. Chapter 5, verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and began to teach. Jesus looked around and he saw these crowds. And then what follows in Matthew chapter 5 is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, the longest period of when, you know, writing of Jesus' sermons, of what he had to say. Matthew's cha- Matthew chapter 5. Six and seven. And these people had seen him perform miracles. They'd been called by him. They'd given their lives for him and left their homes and and were following Christ. And he sees these crowds and he sits down on a mountainside and says, I've got some things to share with you. I've got some things to talk to you about. And much of what he had to say in the Sermon on the Mount was in direct opposition of the day so people listened. Much of what he had to say had to do with attitude, with actions. And what he did in the Sermon on the Mount was lay out some basic core principles about the Christian life. His teaching was not about rules and ritual in this sermon. It was about heart. It was about attitudes. And throughout this sermon, he said many times, you've heard that it was said in the past, but I want to tell you this. He talked about everything from gossip to lust to love to judgment. And this sermon gave his followers a clear picture of the kind of attitude they needed to have. In verses 13 and 14, he says something real interesting. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And he goes on to say, You are the light of the world. So not only does my attitude, my inner attitude, determine my approach to life, my inner attitude is contagious. Have you ever been around somebody that just had this contagious personality? They walk into a room and it's like the lights come on, smiles, Hugs, they just make you feel better. Are you thinking of, Think about somebody in your life that's like that? They come into the room and you automatically feel like you're better than, than what you are. You, you feel like you can do more than what you can do, and they just make you feel wonderful. That kind of attitude is contagious. Then there's the flip side: People with bad attitudes. They're contagious, too. And I'm sure you're thinking about somebody. The kind of person that lightens up the room by leaving, you know. (laughs) The kind of person that just pulls the life out of you. The kind of person that puts more burdens on your back than they lift off of it. The kind of person that walks through life finding out all the things they can be unhappy about and complain about rather than find all the things they can rejoice and enjoy and love. You know, Jesus didn't spend a lot of time with those kind of people. He really didn't. When Jesus was around those kind of people, he said things like, Woe to you. He really did. Woe to you. You burden people down with things that they can't hardly carry. And at one point, Jesus said, You guys are like a bunch of vipers. So while we need to love every person and try to help everybody come in to this wonderful knowledge that Christ can change not only our lives, but our attitudes as well, it's just not a great time investment to spend year after year after year after year trying to turn somebody that refuses to have a good attitude. It will bring you down with them. We have a choice every day, whether we're going to have a good attitude or a bad attitude, whether we're going to bring flavor to somebody's life, whether we're going to bring spice to the world or whether we're going to sicken people. If you, wanted to, if you want to be treated like you're important, you treat other people like they're important. Teddy Roosevelt said it like this, the most important single ingredient in the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. John D. Rockefeller said, I will pay more for the ability to deal with people than any other ability under the sun. Why? It's because they knew that attitudes are contagious. That's why Jesus said, be salt. Be that which adds a little bit of spice to life. Be that which brings a little bit of flavor to life. Try to get a supersized fry at McDonald's and have no salt on it anywhere, anywhere in the processing, no salt, just potatoes and grease and whatever else is in it, and bite into that thing. It is not going to taste good. It'd be like trying to eat a Krispy Kreme without the icing on it. That's just, like, not right, you know. (laughs) Jesus is saying, add spice to life. So my attitude, my inner attitude, determines my approach to life. It's also contagious. Another thing that our attitude does, it reflects. It reflects where my life is pointed You can tell a lot about what direction a person's life is pointed, where they're looking to for advice and comfort and guidance. You can tell a lot about it by their attitudes. In other words, what comes out, what's on the outside is a good indication of what might be on the inside. It's a reflection. Jesus said it like this. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And Jesus goes on to talk about the importance of what is on the inside. Because he says, you've heard that it was said, don't murder. Well, that's kind of a given. You don't murder anybody. He goes one step further and says, I don't want you to harbor hate in your heart towards anybody because that's the same thing. He says, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. And he goes one step further and says, I don't even want you to think about committing adultery. I don't even want you to fantasize about such things. Is that because Jesus is trying to be this dictator because he doesn't want us to have any fun or no? It's because He knows that what's on the inside, what we put into our minds and what we put into our hearts, will eventually get on the outside. It just will. Luke 6, verse 45, Jesus said it like this. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you live with anger and bitterness and lust in your heart, That is what will come out. That's why our inner attitude is so important. Jesus also expects our attitudes not only to be salt, but to be light. Not to put us in the spotlight, but to put him in the spotlight. During Jesus' ministry, a young man came up to him and said, Jesus, what do I need to do to go to heaven? What do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus said, "Well, you need to obey my commands." And the guy's like, "Got it. Got that down. Done." Jesus said, "Well, I also need you to give up everything." The guy's like, "Everything? I got a lot of money." He said, "Got to give it up." Got to give it all up. And the guy went away sad. Now Jesus doesn't expect everybody to just give away all their money, but what he expects is To give up whatever is in your life that keeps you from a relationship with Him. In this guy's case, it was money. And he went away sad. Because this guy wanted to be the star. He wanted to be the self reliant one that said, I've obeyed this, I've done this, and I've done that, and now I get to go to heaven because, hey, look at me. Jesus is the only star. He is the only light. He's the only reason we shine. We don't have any shininess on our own. It all comes from Him. God doesn't need any lights. He is light. He drives out the darkness. What God needs is reflectors. He needs people to reflect Him on to the world. We don't have any light at all. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this, We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of God. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him. And that reflects His glory even more. So He's saying, let your light shine, not to make you look better, but to point people towards me. It's kind of like looking in the mirror. First service, I was able to see. I can see people, that's so cool. I just went around and blinded everybody, but anyway, I can't. Um, that light going out there, I can see faces. I'm not speaking to the darkness now. There we go. Um, I'm easily distracted if you can't tell. God wants us to be a reflector, not just be if I just keep it. Pointed towards me while I might like what I see, because I was noticing, you know, when I look in the mirror, I don't see everything because um, my hair looks like it's holding up quite well when I look in the mirror. It really does. I don't see a problem here. It looks, looks fine. We can get a distorted view of ourselves if we just look into the mirror and try to reflect us. But what God asks us to do is to be His reflector. And when he shines into our life, that goes out to other people's lives. That goes out in the form of our attitude. One of my favorite speakers in the world is Louis Giglio. And he says this about being a reflection. He says, there's no such thing as moonlight. We say, wow, isn't the moon bright tonight? But the moon has no brightness of its own. It has no light of its own. It only reflects the sun. The moon is nothing but a big ball of dust a big ball of dust hit by the most awesome star in the galaxy that's 93 million miles away, and when it gets hit by the sunlight, he says, wow. It lights up and it reflects the sun. So next time we see this beautiful moon that's out, remember, that's a big ball of dust that's reflecting this light from the sun. You know, us and the moon have a lot in common because in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about how God made man, and it was from what? Dust. So we are piles of dust walking around, and if we're shining at all, it's because His light is shining on us. He provides the light. We just reflect it, and that's done through our attitude, through the way we treat other people through the way we react to the situations of life. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about more inner attitudes. And I want to challenge you, if you didn't write anything else down in the notes today other than not to go to Auto Bell Car Wash, but I really didn't mean that. So if you worked at Auto Bell, I'm sorry I said that. I didn't mean to, mean to say that. Um, if you didn't write anything else down, write this down. Be the moon. As you go through the week, as you go through life, be the moon.